Good morning. On Christmas Day 2021, launching from a, uh, a space launch pad in French Guiana in South America, this new space telescope called the James Webb Telescope was launched into space. This telescope is a huge improvement over the well-known one that uh, was made back in the 90s, the Hubble Telescope. And a lot of this is due to some newer technology, infrared technology. And it really is a, a, a marvel of like human ingen ingenuity, engineering, and, and it's going to help us see a lot deeper into space than we ever could before at a much better resolution. And uh, the, the project was initially proposed way back in 1996, took well over 20 years to complete. And seven months after it launched, the first images from the telescope were returned and so it's pretty neat like in this image what you can see is uh, just a whole lot of galaxies and um, NASA says that it would be comparable to like a spot in our sky like if you held out your hand and had a one grain of sand um, that that's that's what that picture would be like one grain of sand in our sky which that's pretty wild I think that that's that's like, that's a lot on there. Um, here's another picture from it. This one is called the Cosmic Cliffs of Carina Nebula. And in, in this picture, you see interstellar clouds, which are nothing like our clouds uh, here. Uh, again, pretty crazy to think about. And it's kind of amazing what humans can do when we work together for a common purpose, even if it's just for a space telescope. Now we're halfway through our summer sermon series where we've been looking at different spiritual habits and different practical ways that we can um, put those in place in our lives. So far, we've looked at the spiritual habits of uh, Bible study and prayer, fellowship, fasting, and rest. And I hope that so far you've been able to put some of these into practice in the weeks following uh, the, the sermons that we've been giving. I know that I heard from a few after the Bible study and the prayer, the two that I've preached so far, I heard from a few people that had uh, been working on practicing those more often. But uh, what, about, what, what about fasting? How, how do we do with fasting? Anybody, anybody fast? You know, laughing like you didn't fast, man. Um, what about last week with rest? Were you able to take that restful Sabbath that Rick was talking about last week? That's good. And remember, what we're trying to do is we're, we're, we're trying to give you, you know, this habit homework each week where we're, we're, we're really trying to take it easy on you, especially if you've not done some of these habits before. We want you to ease your way into these because these are lifelong practices. And uh, we want you to start small and then build up the endurance to, and eventually that these will uh, become part of your regular routines and, and it starts to become second nature for this. Well, today we're going to continue, and we're going to touch on something that, that binds kind of all of these together. Uh, we put it in the middle. We could have put it at the end, really, as well. But um, all of the habits we've already looked at, all the habits that are coming up, they really kind of focus in with this one, which is the habit of worship. Now, when we say worship, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? 
like what Glenn asked earlier. <laughs> For some, it's going to be singing songs or, you know, that first half of the, the Sunday morning service. For others, it might be the entire service. Might be something that you do when you're alone, might be with a group of believers. For some, it might just be a certain type of music that is played in churches or on the radio. And all of these elements are worship, but they're not really totally what worship is about. It's, they're elements of worship, but not all of it. Now, for a theological definition, the Lexham Theological Wordbook defines worship as the reverential response of creation to the all-encompassing magnificence of God, which is pretty, pretty good definition, I think. Another easy way to talk about it, though, is the practice of expressing praise, thanksgiving, adoration, etc., to a deity or perhaps to a regent. So it's basically just expressing praise and thanksgiving, adoration, all of these kinds of things to God or even something else. We can learn a little bit more if we look at how worship is used throughout Scripture. Throughout the NIV translation of the Bible, worship occurs 251 times. That's how they've translated in English. And it's a bunch of different words in the Hebrew and the Greek. But in the Old Testament, there are two that are predominantly translated as worship. The first one focuses on like prostrating oneself to bow down before something or someone. The other could mean uh, till or toil or work or serve or accomplish. And it's really meant to be like an offering to someone or something. In the New Testament, it can mean to express in attitude or gesture one's complete dependence on or submission to a high authority figure. It also could mean to fall down and worship or do reverence to. That gets us to the question, if we can worship many different things, because you could, who and what are we worshiping? I mean, for believers, for Christians, we're to worship God and God alone. If you look back at the Old Testament where God provided the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai, the first two focus on worship. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And what held true for the Israelites back then still holds true today for us. We are to have no other gods before our God, before the Lord. We're not to make gods of our own. We're not to bow down. We're not to worship them. The only one who is worthy of our worship is the Lord our God. That's it. Full stop. Now, I've found it interesting, though, throughout Scripture, you see this to be a problem for people. Even the Israelites. I mean, when God's giving Moses the Ten Commandments, the Israelites were looking to worship something, so they had Moses' brother make a golden calf, make a quote-unquote God for them that they could bow down to and worship. This also happened with angels. I mean, because angels in the Bible, they are terrifying. Revelation 22, 8, 9, the angel who was showing John the things that he would eventually write down in this last book of the Bible, they were so awe-inspiring that, that John fell down to worship at his feet. But listen to how John puts it, Revelation 22, 8. He says, I, John, the one who heard these things, when I had heard and see them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. 
But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. The angel knows. He knows that he didn't want or deserve that worship because it's only God who really deserves it. But isn't it also interesting that one of the temptations that, that Satan had for Jesus was to give him all this power and glory if only Jesus would do what? Bow down and worship him. Matthew 4, verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Satan wants something that he doesn't deserve. He, he wants the worship that is only meant for God. And so we worship God. We worship God alone. Why? Because God is the only one who's worthy of that worship. He is the creator, the author, the perfecter of life. He spoke and existence came into being everything that we can see, God created. He breathed life into humanity, and he is far more than we could even possibly imagine. When we have a right view of God, worship comes a lot easier. Isaiah describes his encounter with the Lord in his throne room in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And Isaiah's response, which we see in verse 5, is fear. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Pastor H.B. Charles Jr. writes that without a proper view of God, you have nothing. Only when you see God properly will everything else be brought into focus. We worship God because he's God. I know that sounds a little trite, but it is the truth. We've got a little bit better idea, hopefully, of what worship is, who we are worshiping as believers, and why we worship what about when we worship? I think there are two basic types of times when we worship. There's the time for the corporate worship, and there's a time for personal worship. And so let's look at those a little bit individually. The corporate worship, uh, one of the most important things that we can do as a body of believers is to worship together. While church is more than just coming here on Sundays to worship with one another, it is, it's crucial that we do just that. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says that, that, um, that the author says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's a number of reasons we gather together on a Sunday morning at, here at Maple Grove. You know, the first is that we're told to, as we see in this passage from Hebrews, we're to continue meeting together, which is it, it, apparently in the first century was already starting not to happen. And that's even more true today. There's a growing number of people who call themselves unchurched Christians. They're Christians who they're, they're leery of or they dismiss the corporate gathering of the church altogether, and that's not good. We're not meant to do this alone. The church, while admittedly there have been flaws in the church, it's still an important institution in the believer's life. 
you may have heard about the story that I recently read of one, one man who, uh, you know, he was sleeping in on a Sunday morning, and uh, his wife was trying to get him to get ready for church, and he said to her, well, give me three reasons why I should go to church today. She was ready with three answers. She said, first, it's Sunday. It's your Christian duty to worship. Second, the Lord has been good, and we should give thanks for his blessings. And third, you're the pastor of the church. <laughs> How many times do we not want to come to church because, you know, we want to get some extra sleep or something? I mean, really, like, think about it. Even for us, we've been live streaming now for a little bit over two years. Uh, we live stream our, our 1030 service. So why not just stay home and watch it on TV? But there's a difference, right? There's absolutely a difference. Like, it's good that we're live streaming because we can, we can get our service out to people who aren't able to make it in. Some of the older folks in our, our church. But it is so much different when you're here than when you're at home. It's important to be around your brothers and sisters in Christ, joining together in worshiping our God. One thing I think to, it's important to know is that, that the worship service also isn't the best evangelistic opportunity for people. They can be evangelistic, but what do I mean by this? Basically, I mean that Sunday morning, it's for the church. It's for believers to come together, to gather and worship God. So the things that we do on Sunday morning are, are going to be more directed toward Christians, and I hope that that makes sense. But, but what we do try to do is to make sure that the service is accessible for those who may be here and may not believe or understand what we're doing here. That's why we try to either stay away from or we define what people call like Christianese, that insider language that we all have because we've been in the church for a long time. We explain what we're doing like with communion. And we preach the good news of Jesus, if not every week, pretty close to every week. And we do that, not just for non-believers who might be here so that they can hear that good news and hear what God has done for them, but also as a reminder for us so that we can be encouraged, so that we might remember his sacrifice. The best way for Sunday morning, though, to, you know, if, if it is going to be an evangelistic opportunity, though, it's for people to see us worship, to see us worship our God together. And we're coming together as a community to praise and worship him. I've read a lot of things that people will say, you know, they, they might not believe what you're telling them, but they'll believe what you show. When it's more than just the Sunday routine, it's a powerful way to share your faith as you show people. What do we do in corporate worship? A few things that we do every week. And if you've been coming here, which most of you have, you know what we do, but Let's talk through some of these. Every time we come together, we first thing we do, we sing. These aren't necessarily all in the order of how we do them, but, but we sing. Why do we sing? Well, for one, the Bible speaks of God's followers as singing praises to him and worshiping him through song. I mean, we've got an entire book in the middle of the Bible that is a collection of songs and prayers throughout the history of Israel called the Psalms. Also, Paul wrote in Colossians 3.16, he says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We sing because it's a way where we can together give thanks to God. Ephesians 5.19 and 20 
Paul again writes, he says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's been done throughout the history of God's people. This has been done even from early on in the Old Testament. Isaiah 12, sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. There is something wonderful about coming together and singing praises to God. That's why we love, you know, we've mentioned it a few times in, in the last you know, a few weeks, but we love being able to hear you sing. When we are as one, when we are singing and worshiping God, there is nothing quite like that. I think I've talked about this before, but years ago, Rick and I went to a pastor's conference up in Chicago at Moody Bible Institute, and there were probably 500 or so pastors there, and it's predominantly guys. And there were times where it was pretty overwhelming for me because over the music, over everything, you just heard these men, mainly men, singing praises to God. And that's amazing. And I only say, I only, you know, focus on the men because we don't normally hear that. Like we hear the women singing, but, um, and we do pretty good here, I think, too. But just to hear a whole bunch of guys worshiping the Lord together, this is pretty awesome. I'll tell you another, too. Uh, I've been to see the band Wren Collective. They're one of my favorite bands. Um, I've seen them three or four times in concert. And for the past five or six years, they've had one of the most fun, loud, exciting concerts. People are singing, dancing, all kinds of good stuff. Um, but at the end, they they changed how they ended from the first concert that I went and saw to um, the, the one that they started doing this about five years ago, six years ago. And what they did was uh, they sing worship songs at the end. And the first time that I saw this, they sang, I love you, Lord. And as they did it, they, they brought the lights down, so there were no spotlights on them. They backed off the mics. Like, they sang the first part, and then they backed off the mics, and then it was just a thousand people singing, I love you, Lord, together. That'll get you right here. <laughs> That'll get you going. What a way to end a concert in praise together to God. That's why we sing. We sing to praise God. Now, another element of our corporate worship is prayer. We worship in praying together. There are times in our services when we move into a time of prayer. Now, for some of us, that could seem like it's starting to become a little bit routine, but I hope that it doesn't. You know, we have one of our elders come up and pray for the communion every week. One of the praise team typically pray during their time leading worship. Rick or I will pray following our sermons, but my hope is that when we're praying, that you are also praying with us, that it's not just a one-sided thing. That's why when I'm closing my messages, I will typically say, would you pray with me? Philip Nation, in his book, Habits for Our Holiness, writes, in our prayers, we submit to and praise God as a community of faith. Our prayers take on different forms at times than my prayers. Prayer is an act of worship by the community of believers. And so we pray as a body of believers. 
Third element of corporate worship is in the reading of Scripture. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. And I hope you find that Scripture permeates everything that we do on a Sunday morning. From the songs to the sermon, and we read it. That's one of the reasons I love to preach through books of the Bible, because we sometimes go through large chunks of Scripture. Now, this sermon that we're sermon series that we're in right now, it's a little bit different, but we're still trying to give you the biblical basis for everything that we teach. Because honestly, it really doesn't matter what Rick or I or anybody else that comes up here thinks about something. What matters is what God has said in his word. And then I'm going to start becoming like LeVar Burton on The Reading Rainbow, where he would always say, you know, he would say something and he'd be like, but you don't have to take my word for it. You guys don't have to take our word for it. That's why you should bring your Bible That's why you should be reading along with us, taking notes, highlighting things, being an active participant when we are reading through Scripture and teaching through it. I want you to hold us accountable, too. That's an act of worship because you are taking seriously and treating God's Word for what it is. Now, the last element of corporate worship on Sundays is the taking of communion, which we did a little bit earlier. Here we worship what God has done for us in the sacrifice of his son Jesus on the cross. He instituted the practice on the night that he would be arrested following the Passover meal. And Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, where he says, For I have received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we continue to do this on the first day of the week, every week, when we meet. We do it like the... Um, early church in the book of Acts did as an act of worship, worshiping what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we do it together. So that's corporate worship. The other basic type of worship is personal worship. And honestly, a lot of the same elements kind of fit in here as well. Your personal worship is just simply you individually worshiping God. And that's really what this series has been about. It's been about building up the habits to help you do this in your personal lives. Think about it. Like you come here, you worship God for an hour on Sunday morning. What's that leave? That leaves you with 167 hours the rest of the week until the next Sunday service. That's a long time. Now, some of us are involved in small groups or Bible studies or just time where we're hanging out with Christian friends, which is good and important, but, but we might have some time on our own, whether it's at work or, you know, just by ourselves where we're away from all of these things. It's in those times that we really need to focus on our personal worship for God. And we can do that in a lot of the similar ways that, that we do here. Maybe we're singing praises to God. We're worshiping on, on the way home to work or, or, or on the way to work or home from work. 
Maybe you're keeping your eyes open. You're praying for those who look to be in need. Or, or just keeping that constant line of communication open with God through prayer. Maybe during your lunch break, you're diving deep into your Bible reading plan, or, or maybe you're in school and, and you've got time between classes, and so you're listening to the Bible on the way f- to the next class. All of this, through whatever you're doing, you're just keeping your mind on God, worshiping him for who he is and what he's done. And there's potential for that to be hard, but it doesn't have to be. Like we, all of us, we can be me focused, but none of this is really, none of this is really about you. Like it's all about God. All right, so I want to give you some habit homework for this week. And really what that is, is to try to intentionally focus on worshiping God one day this week. My suggestion for you is that you would build on what Rick talked about last week with regard to the Sabbath. Use the Sabbath as a day to intentionally worship God. And if you use Sunday as your Sabbath, then do it here, but then do it at home as well. Do it with your family. Use the elements that we've talked about, singing, prayer, the reading of Scripture. If you're single, schedule time to do that during the day to worship God. I know I've got to do that, If otherwise I won't. But again, we're just trying to give you something attainable to do. It's, it's easy. Just one day this week, just really try to, as best you can, just bring your mind, bring your focus back to worshiping God. It's going to wander, but it, you can bring it back. And then keep building until worshiping God is, is what the norm is. It's just taking precedence over everything in your life. Now, I want to go back to the pictures uh, that we were looking at before from the James Webb telescope. When I was in college, something like this, that's what drove me away from God, was this kind of thing. I, I mean, think about what this picture is. All of these things on here that look like stars are galaxies. Consider it this way. We live in a solar system, right? With one star, the sun. And... It's pretty huge, the solar system. And then our solar system is in the Milky Way galaxy. And I read estimates for how many stars are in the Milky Way galaxy, and it's between 100 and 400 billion. That's a lot of stars. And all of these in this picture are galaxies. That's, that's a lot of stars. <laughs> and that's just one grain of sand in our sky. Like that, My mind does not wrap around this. It, it cannot comprehend that. And yet, this does not drive me away from God anymore. This drives me to God. Because he created all of that. Like, we're not going to know or see or understand any of this, really, on our lives here on earth. But he still created it. Human beings, we were made to worship. There's something about us that that just kind of drives us to worship something. And so we're going to. Like, we are going to worship 
something. And it can be anything that you want, whether it's money, whether it's school, whether it's your job, whether it's sex, whether it's politics, whatever. Like, you can worship a whole lot of things. Why not let it be the God of all creation? The God who created all of this, and yet he's the same God who's known you since before you were even born. We were, you have the, the God who created all of this, who knows that we were born as sinners, but he made a way of redemption through Jesus and his death on the cross. The creator of all of this, who now lives in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. We worship God because he is the only one who really deserves it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, you are worthy and holy and just. You create things for your pleasure, not even ours. We can get a tiny glimpse of some of these galaxies and stars, but I mean, there, there have got to be things that are just absolutely beautiful that we're not even ever going to see in our lifetimes. And, and that to me just shows you that, or shows me that you are just so much more than what we can think of and, and so creative and powerful. But to know that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross just so we could be with you. Because you created us as well, intentionally. Like you knew that you were doing it. That, must, that may be the most mind-blowing thing. Father, help, it, help us to go about this week. Help us to focus on worshiping you this week and help us to, to not think, not focus on us, but to focus on you. Lord, we, we just thank you. We thank you that you did think about us. We thank you for Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And we thank you that he has overcome death and sent the counselor, the, 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 uh, your Holy Spirit, to be with us. So many things that you have thought of, Lord, and so much more that, that I can't wait to unfold. Help us as we are continuing to worship together as we sing our praises to you every week as a community here at Maple Grove. Thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.